Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. B -b bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. B -b bullshit. This is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome back to Bullshit Filter the News, episode 14, recorded this day of our Tiberius, the 20th of August, uh, 2018. My name is Cameron mm -hmm. Riley, and your name is not. No. It's not. It's it's the other cam. Some people call me Ray. I'll take the other cam. That's fine. I can't help but feel that in some ways on this episode, we're going to be going down some dark, dark alleys. So this one's probably going to have a lot of cussing in it, just to, just to give everybody a warning. Now, our first story is about the death of Kofi Annan, who was a black man. And you start off by saying we're going down some dark alleys. <laughs> like, that's just... This you, I know you're from the south, right? You but set, you set me up. I just, you bitch. Can you please, when you're on air, turn it down, turn the racism right. down Hold on. a little bit? Hold on, let me get my tiki torch out of the way. Okay, all right, there you go. All right. Now I just added this to our notes this morning. I apologise for the lack of notice, but um, I did go down some rabbit holes last night. Um, Mm -hmm. When I wasn't prepping for our first Tiberius episode, which is coming out at the end Ooh. of this week, uh, reading up on Kofi Annan, and you know, I've uh, uh, so Kofi Annan for people who aren't familiar with him, because um, Chrissy wasn't. I said, I said, you see Kofi Annan died. She said, what? And I said, okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, was the Secretary General of the United Nations uh, for two terms? Yeah, yeah, ten years, I think ninety. Seven to 2007, something like that. Right before that, he was the head of the UN uh, peacekeeping operation. Um, basically spent his life in the United Nations. He was he was Ghanaian uh, and he passed away, I think, aged 80 yesterday or the day before, mm -hmm. sometime in the last couple of days. Um, and, uh, you know, I always had a lot of... Uh, admiration for Kofi Annan during his years as the Secretary General of the UN, particularly um, when the US-led coalition, which included Australia and the United Kingdom, was uh, getting ready to invade Iraq in 2003. Kofi Annan famously said, uh, yeah, that would be illegal uh, if you do that without the United Nations blessing. And you don't have the United Nations blessing, so just uh, oh, stand down and back the fuck off. And they did it anyway. And he criticised uh, the United States and the UK for uh, an illegal invasion um, right. of That's Iraq. That's pretty ballsy. And, you know, yeah. uh, 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 they got away with it and there were no repercussions, yeah. really. Um and but but uh, sorry you you want to say something no not uh, not only that but i was just going to say and the name cheney will come up uh in this episode no uh, that was pretty ballsy of him and it wasn't he the only how do i put this not white um 
secretary general or something like that. I mean, this guy uh, was bucking the system for a very long time, set up his own foundation and, and kept fighting the good fight up until his death. And obviously his foundation is continuing uh, and it has, a, you know, it has a long ways to go as far as good governance and the transformation of agri- um, African culture. So again, this man um, put his actions where his words were and a lot of people don't do that. So good for him. Yeah, he was the first black African Secretary General of the United Nations. Mm. Um, I think the fourth Secretary General of the United Nations, or maybe that doesn't, doesn't sound like enough, does it? Was he the fourth? No, the seventh? unless they run for a long time. Um, well, like you said, he was there for 10 years. Had so some, should have had some notes in front of me. Um, anywho, uh, one of the, mm-hmm. the, the reasons I wanted to mention him, well, a couple. First of all, I see a lot of criticism of uh, the United Nations on the Facebooks. And it's outlandish. I mean, not that they shouldn't be criticised. We criticise the United Nations on our shows all the time. But I see particularly Mm -hmm. Americans going, you know, we should get out of the United Nations, fuck the United Nations, particularly when the United Nations criticises uh, the United States. And and I see some from Australia, too, because the UN criticizes Australia from time to time. And, you know, some of this, you know, a lot of it I see online has to do with the UN criticizing Israel and people going, you know, how dare you criticize Israel? Fuck the United Nations. Um, by the way, speaking of which, you know, our, mm-hmm. our sort of a little bit crazed Israeli listener, <laughs> Barry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, he he sent me a filthy email um, just as I was on my oh. way back from Europe, saying that he was quitting all of our shows after listening to me since the Napoleon days for ten years, because wow. on one of our shows I can't remember which one it was, um, I think it was a Cold War show. Mm-hmm. I said uh, I you know I made some crack like say what you want about Hitler. But uh, if he had won, Harvey Weinstein wouldn't have been, uh, you know, walking around naked and jerking off on women. So that's true. Uh, you know, it was obviously I was being ridiculous and 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 mm-hmm. being trying to be outrageous uh, uh, and naughty and funny. <clears throat> ba- yeah. Barry Barry just went fucking batshit, uh, you know, angry at me and um, spat the dummy and quit. <laughs> and I was going to write him an email. It's sort of going, come on, fucking back, you know, calm down, man. But yeah, I, I couldn't be bothered. Anywho. So, yeah. Getting back to Kofi. I, I, mm. Right. Mm. Kofi Annan, mm. right. Mm. Getting back to Kofi Annan. So I see a lot of criticisms <laughs> of the UN. And, 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 and in reading a lot of the um, obituaries of Kofi Annan, one of the thing that gets one of the things that gets brought up uh, a lot. He was the seventh Secretary General of the United Nations, by the way, not the fourth. Um, is that he was the head of the UN peacekeeping force when the Rwanda genocide happened in 1994? Yeah. If I could, yep. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I apologize. Now I don't know much about the Rwandan genocide, and I feel bad about that because it was. The worst genocide, I think, to happen in the second half of the 20th century. Um, so I started to to read up uh, on it uh, yesterday. Uh, I was about 24 when it happened. Honestly, not really paying much attention to global affairs at the time. Sure. Uh, I think I was uh, trying to get out of my first marriage. Um, and who wasn't? <laughs> Sorry. And Sorry. my my first wife actually. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, 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 I went looking for a good podcast on it because I was, you know, I, I, I had things to do. I had cleaning to do. I was, I was clean. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to listen, uh, learn, evolve. Right. While you work. TPN's uh, original catchphrase from oh, 2004. Like Couldn't find one. Found one guy. Does like an Africa podcast. He had an episode on it. Listen to it. Drove me fucking nuts, this guy. Um, <laughs> you know, he just kept... He goes, and then... And I can't believe this happened. Uh, so-and-so did this. And then... And I can't believe this happened. I really can't believe oh this happened. God. So-and-so did that. And then... I can't believe this happened. I can't believe they did this. <laughs> I was like, well, fucking believe it. It's, it's you know... Because yeah, it happened. It happened. Anyway, yeah. I gave up halfway through. But I started thinking um, maybe uh, right. we should do the Rwandan Civil War... Because I, I, I mean, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but not much because I'm an idiot and people know that. When I get into the Tutsi and the Hutu and the Twa, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I get them confused. Uh, I've read oh, up yeah. on it before and I can't keep it straight in my head. But the same was true with, um, you know, Alexander's stuff and Caesar's stuff before, I, before we went into it. So I th- and, and Syria and all that kind of stuff. So I think maybe after we finish the war on drugs... Um, um, yeah. At some point, I, I might be interested in doing a mini series on the Rwandan mm-hmm. uh, civil war because I think it's something that I want to understand better. Obviously, horrible. Uh, official UN estimates right. are eight hundred thousand people were killed in four days. Actually, it was about Jeez. four months, not four days, but it was very, very quick. Yeah. It was like almost yeah. like boom out of nowhere. Eight hundred thousand to a million people dead uh, and killed with machetes. For the vast majority right. of them. Uh, Bullets were too expensive. So Kofi Annan yeah. was the leader of the UN peacekeeping force and they did nothing really to prevent this and copped a lot of criticism for it. But I think the story is deeper than that. He's copping a lot of the blame. But yeah. uh, I think if we scratch the surface, we will see that he tried to engage uh, you know, the Security Council but the problem was that the French were on one side of the Civil War and the Americans were on the other side of the Civil War. Clinton was the president of the United States at the time um, because the guy who was the leader of uh, one of the factions was Paul Kagame, who is still today the president of Rwanda. He's been the president of Rwanda since 2000. But he's not a dictator, Ray. I don't want you to think he... Look, just because he's been... he's very popular. Very popular, very, very good friends of the West. The fact that he's been president for uh, nearly 20 years, no no indication that he's a dictator. He's just a very good guy. Um, Also uh, trained before the Civil War, trained at Fort Leavenworth in the United States. Um, So, yeah... So he's got that going for him. Yeah. So the US had their guy on one side. Uh, he's the Tutsi. Um, the Hutu on the other side were being supported by the French and the Belgians, I think. And the Belgians, you know, caused a lot of the, the, the racial divisions there in the first place. Anyway, very complicated. Um, and I, I think we should, in, in our inimitable, inimitable, inimitable style, too early in the morning to say mm-hmm. that. Uh, we should drill down on it and try and pick it apart and see what the fuck actually happened. 
Yeah, if I, if I could just set it up real quick. On December 9th, 1948, the United Nations adopted a resolution that said, when contracting parties confirm that genocide, whether committed in time of peace or in time of war, it is a crime under international law, which they undertake to prevent and to punish. So they do have a uh, resolution for this. This is something very specific. If you can identify genocide, the United Nations should and will go in to prevent and punish it. Uh, I, I just want to throw this out real quick because I thought it was interesting. Um, the Germans were in Rwanda first, and everybody in Rwanda raised cattle. And most of the people, excuse me, the people that had most of the cattle were called Tutsi, and everyone else was called Hutu. The Germans get kicked out after World War One. The uh, Belgians come in. Belgians uh, think that the uh, Tutsi look more European. They're lighter skinned, a little taller. So they put them in charge, even though they're only 10% of the population. Then Belgium tries to reverse everything to make the 90% happy. So now both sides are pissed. Now there's a whole bunch of civil war. Uh, there's a whole uh, internal fighting going on. And you're right, it was the Europeans that pretty much racialized this country and then started the civil war or, or created the conditions for the civil war. Yeah. Um, and the Belgians introduced like um, identity cards that stated what your mm-hmm. uh, actual race was, whether you were Hutu or Tutsi, and and sounds like that was fairly arbitrary anyway. Probably not a real thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. let's not get into that now, but he's copying Kofi Annan, copying a lot of shit. And the thing about the United Nations, because uh, you and I spent a lot of time on the Cold War show talking about the creation of the United Nations, and it was mm-hmm. largely... Roosevelt's vision, um, and it's a good. Vi- it, it, it was a good vision. I believe in the vision. Yeah, I believe that we need global, international cooperation uh, on on maintaining peace, on resolving conflicts, uh, mm-hmm. and international standards. Right, and you know we haven't had another full on world war since the creation of the United Nations. A um, lot of lot of conflicts have gone on since then, but not a all out world war yet. But when people talk about dismantling the UN or pulling out funding from the UN, as your current president has been doing, right. people support that and they go, "Well, it's, it's broken." Yeah, well, look, it's not perfect. We know that, and a lot of that. I mean, it's not Kofi Annan's fault. It, it goes back to. Right. The problems with the Security Council, obviously the General Assembly doesn't have um, much of a, a, a peacekeeping for They don't have a military arm. Uh, they have a little bit more flexibility now with that than they did when the Rwandan genocide happened. But they rely on the Security Council to uh, uh, provide a force when required but, of course, this whole process with the five permanent members having a veto is yeah. a big, big problem. Um, uh, and, you know, anyway, we, we, we've gone into that in detail in the Cold War show. Uh, it, it, it's, not, it's not perfect. It needs to be fixed. But collapsing it and, and pulling... Yeah, how's that improvement? Yeah, we're, we're going back to pre-World War II situation where it's like might makes right and uh, uh, it's just it's just anyway so so anyway Vail Kofi Annan he spent his life in the United Nations uh, 
by all accounts, seems to have been a good guy. Got massively attacked after he criticised the United States after the Iraq invasion. They tried to besmirch his mm. reputation. Um, his son did get caught up in a bit of a inquiry about some dodgy oil for food stuff out of Iraq. They tried to get Kofi uh, caught up in that, but he came out of the inquiry looking okay. But um, anywho, um, I think, yeah, Rwandan genocide podcast we might do at some point if you're interested. If you're up for that, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I'm always up for some, uh, uh, you know, pulling back the uh, crap and exposing the truth. Uh, I did just want to, I don't know if we want to finish here or we're going to go on, but I just did want to say, because truth is important no matter how you feel about someone, Clinton, President Clinton at the time, had daily CIA intelligent briefs on this. They, They had pretty accurate numbers as far as the number of people that were dying per day, but he, from the very get-go, decided that the United States was not going to get involved, mostly because uh, the U.S. uh, screwed up its intervention in Somalia. He was going to go again, so he paid lip service. They refused to use the word genocide um, for for like the first seven weeks or something like that. So Clinton knew everything, but he had already decided, and they tried to bury it as much and confuse the issue as much as they possibly could. Mm. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, scientists, Ray. Well, fucking, yeah. don't you love science, Ray? I love science. Yes. Science is hot. I dinner. I can't pronounce half these words in this article, but fucking science is hot. I had dinner on Saturday night with an old high school mate of mine who's uh, uh, studied chemistry. He's now a principal of a, of a school in New South Wales and a mate of his who's actually a research chemist and we had a great chat about science a lot of it was just fuck Mm -hmm. fuck science is great isn't it science is awesome Um, but there was an article that uh, came out uh, last week that uh, some scientists have recently successfully I think for the first time reversed the aging of human cells yeah I'm gonna let you start on this one well i this is a subject uh that i've done a number of shows on over the years ah. um going okay. right back to the g'day world uh podcast so i had a, he used to have a guy called dr aubrey de gray on i think i had him on maybe twice once or twice i can't remember aubrey de gray uh is a research scientist who's been working on reversing aging and and working on preventing uh, like death he says that death is um death is a disease and we can cure it um wow maybe he says aging is a disease and we can cure it but one of those he's basically <clears throat> yeah he's been an optimist <laughs> no he's been talking for a very very long time decades about the fact that um well aging is preventable uh, he believes mm-hmm. uh, with with sufficient uh, understanding and science that we'll be able to cure aging and extend the healthy human lifespan. He thinks somewhere between to two hundred and fifty to five hundred years. Um, Do you want to live that long? Fuck yes, Ray. At least that long, <laughs> if not longer. <laughs> okay, just checking. Just you checking. don't. No. Look- well, I mean, I, I've obviously never, I've never really given it much thought. But the point is, when you were in your twenties and you talked to this guy, did you think it was possible at the time that we would get to this point? I mean, how how they how how they would do it or how they did it in this particular experiment was fascinating, and I think it 
is something that most people weren't thinking of as far as splitting the um, the factor of the DNA. But the point is, th- that brings up a whole other question that Thanos might have to get involved. I mean, we have overpopulation now. What are you going to do if someone lives 200, 200 years? Um, things, you know, measures have to be taken. Yes. But not like Thanos. <laughs> well, maybe uh, as part of our conversation <laughs> on uh, Saturday night I'll with do my it. mates. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, well, that's a separate issue. Okay, so people okay. quite often get upset right. about um, the implications of mm-hmm. life extension. And, and that they are a right to have concerns, and we, we would need to address those. I, partly, though, I think, uh, based on my conversations with people over the last 20 years or so, a lot of people claim, anyway, they would choose not to mm. extend their lifespan. They're like, nah, 75, 80 years, that's enough for me. Um, and that's fine. So I think, let's say, some of the population, particularly maybe those who think that when they die, they're going to go and sit on Jesus's lap, uh, um, yeah. see what comes up. Right. Uh, I think those people may may want to pass on. And quite frankly, you know, I, I encourage them to do that. Um, yeah. But some of us will choose to live, so maybe we'll, we, you know, some of the problem will be uh, removed uh, that uh, in, in that way. But we will need to get a lot smarter uh, mm-hmm. in terms of how we uh, feed and 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 provide the energy requirements and uh, for the population. Right. Maybe we'll go off planet with Elon Musk. Um, maybe a large percentage of the population will end up going virtual before then anyway, and we'll just upload our consciousness into the matrix. Um, Nice. But I would like to live long enough to see what's going to happen 50, 100 years from now. I don't think this is going to be a good century for the human race, quite honestly. uh, You know, I think we're we're facing five or six very serious existential threats. Um, Like, uh, uh, so, you know, I think... um, so we've got climate change, which probably is not going to wipe us out this century, but it's certainly going to fuck with us um, right, we're suffer. in a huge way. I mean, the, with the climate going up a couple of degrees, ice polar caps melting, oceans rising. Um, you know, there's there's a little archipelago just above Australia called Indonesia, where 200 million people live, and they're not going to have homes anymore. Yeah. Once the sea rises, so they're going to have to go somewhere. Let alone people living on coastlines all around the world, uh, their homes are going to be Jeez. underwater. Uh, right. So it's going to completely fuck with life as we know it, um, unless some fucking miracle comes along and we're able to fix it. But uh, that that seems less and less likely as we, you know, as the world yeah. is run by politicians whose heads are firmly up their asses. So that's <laughs> going to happen. On top of that, we've got the ever-present threat of nuclear war, and again with crazy motherfuckers running countries like yours, that and, and sitting on thousands of massively powerful um, nuclear warheads, uh, playing games of chicken with uh, Iran and uh, North Korea and Russia mm-hmm. and uh, other countries. So, <clears throat> um, not good. Uh, so that could happen. Then on top of that, we've got threats of uh, bio-warfare, biological weapons mm. being developed that could be uh, unleashed at any time. Then we've got uh, the, the threat of AI uh, becoming sentient and going, humans, you're a, you're a fucking virus on the planet. 
right. like uh, Agent uh, Smith said in The Matrix and, and wanting to take care of us before we fuck everything up too badly. Then you've got uh, nanotech and the grey goo threat. Uh, somebody accidentally building a nanovirus that just dismantles everything around it at a molecular level. Um, oh, and then we've got actual uh, old school biological viruses like bird flu or the plague or the Black Death or these sorts of things that uh, could crop up a new strain of one of those that's particularly powerful that we uh, don't have a vaccine for and that has a relatively long incubation period. Like we were, um, like oh God. you know, the thing yeah. about Ebola is its incubation period is is a few days. So somebody gets it, you know about it pretty quickly. If you had a virus like Ebola but had an incubation period of six weeks, uh, that person yeah. could carry it. It could be it could have spread to half the human population before you even knew about it, and then all of a sudden it kicks in and everyone dies. So I think our ability to navigate even one of those existential threats. Uh, is extremely tricky. Yeah, dicey uh, uh, over the next century because right. we have very, very poor political leadership. Uh, and like basically, it all comes down to Elon Musk. And according to recent interviews, he's starting to burst at the seams. He's trying to do everything. Yes. So, um, uh, uh, let alone us survive all six of those existential threats, I'm I'm mm-hmm. not very optimistic. That said. I would like to be around when we fail. I want to just see how it ends. Right. It's like, I don't want to... Get some popcorn. Yeah, I, I don't want to... You know, have you ever been on a plane flying somewhere and you're getting right towards the last 10 minutes of a movie and you're enjoying it and the captain comes on and goes, well, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're to finish our entertainment <laughs> yes! because we're landing now and put your tray tables up and your seats to their upright position. You're like, fuck it, like oh, I'm nearly fuck. finished the movie. <laughs> just do another now couple of laps, man. This. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to go home and rent this yeah. just to watch the last ten minutes. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. Which I'm never going to yeah. do. So I'm never going to see. I'm never going to know how it ended. Right? That's how I feel about the human race on this planet. I just want to see how it ends. I'm pretty sure it's I'm not going to be the good. Last 10 minutes. But I just want to be there. Yeah. I want to see it all go up in flames. Uh, or maybe yeah. we pull out of it. I don't know. But I, I want to see what happens. So, um, yeah. in order for that, I need guys like Aubrey de Grey and these signers that we are going to talk to. I promise. Work on this stuff. So. There, there are lots of reasons why we age. It's not just one thing. Right. It's quite complex. Um, one of those has to do with uh, telomeres. So um, <clears throat> you basically know what DNA looks like, Ray. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, double helix. And, and right. at the end... Cylindrical? The way... Uh-huh. Hmm? Cylindrical? What? N- n- what am I thinking of? Whether it's wrapped up or is that... And like a, never mind. I can't. I'm sitting there trying to draw something with my finger, and you can't see that. So never mind. It's a double helix, uh, right? Uh, and so the the way, as I understand it, um, the that DNA replicates when a cell is uh, dividing is um, RNA. Um, runs down, splits the DNA, the two strands apart, runs down it, copies it, and builds a copy of each, right? Um, mm-hmm. <coughs> stitches it all back together, boom, you've got new new cell. Um, but at the end of the DNA, um, top and the bottom of the DNA, there's uh, 
chemical called uh, telomere, telomerase. Um, telomeres, and it's basically like, uh, you remember the old uh, cassette tapes that we had when we were in the right. 80s? Um, you had the magnetic tape, and then at the end of the tape, you had like blank stuff that you would use mm-hmm. to wind it on the reel. Well, that's what they say to the telomeres are like. So when the RNA is running up the DNA, copying it protein by protein, it gets to the telomeres and it goes, oh, okay, I should stop. All right? mm. That's the end of the, okay. the DNA. But what, hap- what happens is as your cells get copied over the course of your life, those telomeres get shorter and shorter. Um, and what happens is the RNA starts stopping sooner and sooner and miss uh, copies uh, copies incorrectly oh, some of those cells. Right. Plus, there's just a lot of errors that happen in the copying and that kind of stuff. There's the there's a kind of cell called senescent cells. They're older cells that don't function like they should, but they also um, affect the cells around them because cells are you know um, massively interconnected. They talk to each other all the time. What are you doing? Oh, I'm doing. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I, you're doing that. I'll do this. Well, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, it's a bit like us recording shows. What are you working on? Okay, you're working on that. I'll work on this and together and okay, hopefully it'll work. I'll meet you in the middle. And then I right. said, what are you doing? You go, nothing. And I go, oh, fuck. Now I have to do everything. <laughs> and everything breaks down. Right, right. So anyway, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that's happened is that they've figured out a way to rejuvenate some of these old cells. So um, oh, there's this, wow. by, by, by taking hydrogen sulfide, which is a molecule that's naturally found in our bodies, um, mm-hmm. they're able to extend the, some of the life of some of these cells. Don't ask me how it works because, uh, right. you know, I'm not a fucking geneticist. Um, I do have some. I do have uh, some information here, though, that I'll try and uh, read and hopefully make sense of it as we go. This is from. I'm sure it will. This is from a paper uh, produced by uh, these uh, clever motherfucking scientists. Um, <laughs> cellular senescence is a key driver of aging. This is this is cells that that die, right? Senescence, cellular right. cells, cells that just just Age sort of and die. yeah die is a key driver of aging, influenced by age-related changes to the regulation of alternative splicing. Hydrogen sulfide has similarly been described to influence senescence, but the pathways by which it accomplishes this are unclear. We assess the effects of the slow-release hydrogen sulfide donor, NAGYY4137, and three novel mitochondria-targeted H2S donors, AP39, AP123, and RTO1, on splicing factor expression, cell proliferation, apoptosis, DNA replication, DNA damage, telomere length, and senescence-related secretory complex. Oh, secretory. Expression in senescent primary human endothelial cells. Anyway, basically says that by playing around with all of this, they produced up to a 50% drop in senescent cell load assessed at the wow. biochemical and molecular level. So, uh, in essence, they've been able to reduce the aging, slow down, reverse the aging, whatever you want, of some cells. Um, uh, so, yeah, listen, interesting stuff. Um, there's there's a lot of science going on regarding trying to slow down aging. Um, but, yeah, it, it will we get there in our lifetime? I don't know. What, are, what am I now? Nearly 50? You're just over 50? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> they reckon there was a book that I read. I uh, did an interview with the author again back in the. Uh, did I ever? No, even before the G'day World days, before my podcasting days, I, I, when I first got into this stuff, uh, so sort of early 2000s, I went and had dinner with a guy who wrote a book called The Last Mortal Generation. Um, basically, he was saying that people born before 2000 would be the last mortal generation of humans. Wow. Uh, that people, kids born, as my kids and your kids, born after the year 2000, or my kids, were, my older kids were born in the year 2000, um, mm-hmm. will be the first immortal generation. Basically, by the time they're our age... Right. So... Uh, They'll work this out. 20, yeah. you know, 2048, something like that. Um, 2050. Yeah, a lot of this stuff will be worked out. Um, and probably, like Aubrey de Grey says, it'll probably be incremental. So it's not we're going to go from uh, everyone dying around 80 to 250. It'll be, oh, okay, well, with this technology now, we can extend the healthy human lifespan to 150 right. or 125. But then in that next 40 years, there'll be more and more breakthroughs uh, where you will get it up to 150, 200, 250, etc. Um, but uh, the chances of our generation making it are slim, unless we survive a particularly cut. long time. So, right, my, you know. that's my goal. Is it really? My goal is to outlive you now. Fuck it. Yeah, well, when my Jesus documentary <laughs> no. comes out, you'll probably have a much better chance of uh, somebody taking me out, man. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I just wanted to give a quote. One of the people that helped on this this research research he said, or excuse me, she said, we used to think that age-related diseases like cancer, dementia, and diabetes each had a unique cause, but they actually track back to one or two common mechanisms. And the research that they're working on would actually go a long way in preventing or slowing this down. This may well be the basis for a new generation of anti-degenerative drugs. So like you said, I mean, if they can work on some of that stuff, that there alone, you know, cancer, dementia, and diabetes, you're going to push it past 100, then you cure some other things, you push it even further. So I think you're right. I think it's going to be incremental and they're going to be able to do some amazing things i hope we're around for some of it mm. i mean some of our podcast series that we're doing we're going to need at least we're going to need <laughs> another 100 years to get through those <laughs> yeah cold war because we're going to go up to actually today so yeah let's talk about catholics um oh, oh fuck. god fucking catholics man so uh, the, the news that's come out, obviously, in the last week is particularly related to the Roman Catholic priest in Pennsylvania. The report, I think mm-hmm. they spent uh, a year or two putting this report together, 884-page right. report. It was pu- yeah. uh, made public by the Pennsylvanian Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, on the Catholics uh, in that area, said that they sexually abused thousands of children yes. in Pennsylvania alone. How many for how many years? Over a seventy-year period. Jesus Christ! And silenced victims through the weaponization of faith and a systematic cover-up campaign by their bishops. And the attorney general, and, and for anybody who wants to say, "Oh, the church didn't know, the priest didn't know," the attorney general, Josh Shapiro, said most of their evidence was uh, largely based on documents from secret archives kept 
by the diocese, including handwritten confessions by priests. So the church gathered this information, wasn't smart enough to destroy it, locked it away, but the attorney general got a hold of it. And based on that, they were able to piece this together. Yeah. And I've been following this story for quite a few years, um, how they discovered the church had these secret documents. This is a bit like the Nixon's White House tapes. Like, "Ah, No one's ever going to find our secret child rape documents. It's fine. We'll just keep them in this cabinet over here. Um, It's locked. Yeah. The Attorney General said that Catholic bishops covered up child sexual abuse by priests and reassigned them repeatedly to different parishes for kept keeping them as uh, keeping them active for as long as 40 years moving them around whenever people found out that they were raping children um, I like this bit. He said, describing the weaponization of faith to silence victims, Shapiro cited several examples, including one priest who allegedly told children how Mary had to lick Jesus clean after he was born Mm -hmm. to groom them for oral sex. I just, fuck, just take him out and shoot him now. Uh, The children were taught that this abuse was not only normal, but that it was holy. You're talking about fucking up a child for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Now... Okay, so everyone knows these stories uh, by now. Um, It's uh, well accepted, I think. But where's the fucking outrage from the Catholics around the world is what I want to know. There's two billion Catholics around the world. Where is the outrage? Why aren't they demanding the resignation uh, of every priest, every bishop... Mm -hmm the Pope, the ex-Pope, every cardinal, why aren't they doing something about this? You know, we 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 hear this about Muslims all the time. People say, well, yeah. where's the outrage in the Muslim community over the very small percentage of those that have weaponized the faith and that are, uh, uh, you know, uh, calling for jihad? Um uh, and, and in fact, the Muslims are. There's massive protests around the world and, and uh, marches and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just to add to that, six of the eight dioceses in Pennsylvania is what Shapiro was talking about. 301 priests were cited in the report. Some of them have died. And he, Shapiro was saying that the church was stalling long enough so that, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's the uh, time a time lapse or that they would be either be retired or dead. And so, again, 301 priests in six dioceses. I mean, that is not a small number of criminals. Yeah. And, you know, we've been through this recently in Australia, um, massive uh, what we call a royal commission here that found the same sort of thing. Like, I think the number we had in Australia was 7,000 children sexually abused by the clergy over the last 70 or so years, 60, 70 years. Um, And yet the Catholic Church is still a thing here. It still survives. Yeah. People are still going, sending their kids to Catholic schools. Putting money in. What yeah. the fuck? Our governments the are fuck. still giving money to Catholic churches, uh, Catholic schools for education. Why hasn't the Catholic Church been shut down around the world? Can you imagine if any other organization 
right. was found guilty of this kind of abuse of children, a business or imagine that this came out that the Muslims in the West had been uh, systematically oh God, yeah. sexually abusing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children and then covering up the abusers for decades, the outrage right. that you would be hearing across the media. Why is this still a thing? Why? I mean, partly, why, why? You know, one question I have is why aren't governments around the world just shutting down the Catholic Church? Um, like they they go after other cults. You don't say, well, it's a religion. You can't shut down. A yeah, you can. The, you yeah. know what happened in Waco? What happened in Waco, man? Like yeah. they fucking they just had rumors of shit down. in Waco and they shut that down. Why aren't they shutting down the Catholics in the same way? But also, why aren't the Catholics just resigning on mass? And right. why aren't the Catholics around the world completely up in arms over this? Uh, it says says something about the Catholic mindset uh, to me, man. I mean, you know, we were just in the Vatican, yeah. like what. A few weeks ago, you and I were in the Vatican. Yeah, I mean the 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 appalling, um, just ostentatiousness of the yeah. the wealth contained inside of the Vatican. Um, I, why are people just? Why are the Catholics of Italy just uh, storming the Vatican? Why? I don't get it, man. I'm 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 just aghast. Yeah. Aghast, I am, Ray. There's a word I don't get to use much, well, but I am aghast. It takes a lot are. to make me aghast, but I am aghast. aghast. Mostly cheese, but um, what? And but just to take just, no dairy products, but just to take what you said and to drill down in those six of eight dioceses. How were those dioceses not immediately shut down because everybody is refusing to walk into them? How are people still giving money? And like you said, how are people still turning over their kids to, to, to camps? I went to a, a Christian camp when I was a little boy. It wasn't Catholic, but the, thank God. But uh, the point is these, these things still exist. How are people still showing up? How are people still supporting? How are people still giving money? It makes no sense to me how this just doesn't come to a complete halt. And as we see... It doesn't. And and you can see by some of the quotes from the diocese, I don't think they get it. One, one uh, statement put out that they apologize to the victims and that they're going to take steps to ensure that any criminal behavior is stopped. Not found and arrested and turned over to the cops. They're just going to stop. And another uh, quote was, the grand jury has challenged us as a Catholic diocese to put the victim first and to improve ways to protect children and youth. So obviously children victims have never been put first. They're not going to be put first now, but I guess it makes for a good quote. Yeah. You know, in Australia, one of the recommendations that came out of the Royal Commission was that the, shoot the Catholic... Uh -huh. What? Sorry. I was going to say line him up on the wall and shoot him, but go ahead. <laughs> was that... Uh... Uh, the Catholics should uh, change their internal processes so that uh, in the future, if a priest confesses to child rape to uh, another mm -hmm. priest, um, they should turn him over to the police. Uh, and secondly, they recommended that priests should be allowed to get married. Um, uh, now... The Catholic Church in Australia has basically said, no, fuck off to both of those. We're not doing either of those right. things. 
Um, now, the whole getting married thing, I think, doesn't make sense. I, I don't think people become pedophiles because they can't get married. Um, I think pedophiles right. are pedophiles. They're, they're born that way <coughs> or made that way at some point. I don't think... If I told you, Ray, that you couldn't um, have sex with a woman, um, right. I don't think you would become a pedophile. Um, no. You may... like we, we know that in prisons, at least this is... Uh, I know. Uh, 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 <laughs> this is the. This is what you hear. I don't know if this is. Right. I don't know if read any studies Suppose, on this, but right. men that are doing long terms in prison, you know, decide to, they're going to stick it up somebody's ass, or, or you know, they they become uh, a homosexual for a period of time. I don't know if that sticks once they get out. Maybe if they do their life, right. they're like, "Well, I've got to stick it in something. I'm gonna, uh, right. uh, I'm gonna. There's only so many goats that we have here, so I'm gonna <laughs> stick it in the guy." Um, I don't really understand that. That's in, that'd be an interesting uh, study to see. But, but I don't think saying, "Look, you can't have sex with women uh, if you're a, a male with a normal, healthy uh, uh, sexual drive." you right. become a pedophile as a result of that. I'm not sure that's how pedophilia works. Not that I'm an expert. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you're right, because there's one thing that Shapiro described about the Pittsburgh clergyman would um, order the altar boys to strip naked and to pose as Christ on the cross while they photographed him. That is not about just getting your rocks off because you're because you're very horny. That That is literally enjoying the process and having power over someone. So these people are truly screwed up. And I, and like, I think you're right. The fact that they couldn't get married, I don't think is going to solve that. That's not the issue. Mm. Anyway, I like, I just, um, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have no respect. For, I mean, I have no respect for Catholics. Anyone who remains... Now, people will say... Oh, but the Catholics mm-hmm. do a lot of good work. And I go, yeah, the Nazis built the Volkswagen too, out. right? So, That's right. That's right. Uh, do we go, well, you know, you got you to gotta give the yeah. Nazis a bit of a pass there because they built the Volkswagen yeah. and it's, it's pretty good. Look, and Classical music, science, yeah. We should give them a pass. Architecture, I mean, uh, yeah. like, you know, Spears, Albert Spears architecture is pretty fucking amazing. And... and and yep. you know their their costumes, Autobahn. Hugo Boss. Yeah, come on. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, very flash. Got to give them a pass for that kind of stuff. So yeah, that whole no, well, they do that. good too. I don't think that's um, you know. And uh, imagine an individual um, pedophile is in court mm-hmm. and uh, he's charged with thirty counts of raping children over the years, and his defense attorney says, "Yeah, but your honour." You know, he's he's a good guy, really. Like he's also done some good yeah. stuff. He, he you know, he helps out in his local community. So just you know, let's turn a blind eye to it, give him a pass right. on this. Uh it's not gonna fly. And I don't right. think it flies for the Catholics either. This yeah, and and, it should and the thing and again, it's not about the pedophilia per se. Um it, it, right. it's about the systematic cover up of the pedophilia. From the and that's that's come from the Vatican on down. The Vatican's been well aware of this for mm-hmm. for a very very long time. It's been the official position of the Vatican out to all of its uh, tentacles around the world that you cover these things up, you move the guys around, 
buy the victims and their families off, use you know the weaponization of faith to to uh, prevent them from going to the authorities themselves as much as possible. Right. Um, this has been a deliberate or- cover up from the very top of the Catholic hierarchy for a century. Right. And as Shapiro said, the pattern was abuse, deny, and cover up. And when it got to the point where you couldn't cover up anymore, families were paid off with a lot of money because one priest molested five daughters in one family. They had to, uh, they gave them a lot of money to shut them up, but they had to sign a form basically saying they would never ever talk about it or disclose the information. So the church knows exactly what it's doing. It's got this down to a science. Yeah, that's the Donald Trump model, right? Right. Have sex with a porn star and then get him yeah. to sign a non-disclosure. Um, now, I think everyone who listens to this, if you have any Catholic friends or family, you need to address this with them. You need to say, explain to me how you can still hold your head mm-hmm. up and call yourself a Catholic after this. Honestly. Just asking. Just asking. Now, I, ask, I know you have a priest in your ranks, Ray. Are you going to confront yep. your priest brother-in-law with this stuff? I think he's still a virgin, um, so it would probably be weird. He'd probably be uncomfortable talking about sex in general. No, I'm um, not asking him about his sex life. <laughs> asking him about no. how can you remain a Catholic in, yeah. uh, uh, in these circumstances? How can you honestly... Be a Catholic priest when you know that this is what the Catholic Church has been doing for the last hundred years at least. Yeah. I can't even imagine what he would say. Well, that's my challenge. I'll say that for the next family reunion. That's my challenge to everyone listening to this is... Well, like, okay, so what can we do about this? One of the things we can do is is have this conversation with Catholics that you know. Yeah. Like, honestly, how can yeah. you continue to to put money in the collection basket to call you? You, you, you are enabling Catholicism with your continued support, even if you don't go to church and you, you don't put money in the basket, just by saying, yeah, I'm a Catholic, by putting that on the census uh, by 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 associating yourself with this from not with by not publicly recanting and rejecting Catholicism and all its forms for the crimes committed by it, you are supporting it and enabling it. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Um, a couple more things. Um, the Pentagon, Ray. Yeah. The bells. You kick this one off, seeing as you're an American. Yeah. So the U.S. military, the Pentagon, has decided to return the bells of Balagiga. I'm probably saying that wrong. Which were captured by the U.S. troops more than 100 years ago um, when we um, took um, the island, when we took... uh, the Philippines after we kicked Spain out during the Spanish-American War. And as we said on one of our shows, I can't remember, believe it or not, the Philippines, uh, Philippine people were not exactly to trade one master for another. So the American army basically went in there and had to crack skulls. We killed we killed so many of these people. Uh, we, we killed uh, children. We killed women or whatever. But the point is, during one particular engagement, there was, a, uh, there was an ambush and uh, some American soldiers' um, lives were lost. And the way that the ambush was started is that they started 
started ringing these church bells. So after we put down the ambush and we put down the rebellion and we, we've, we've taken over the island, um, we these I guess these church bells were brought back to honor, this is the important part, the American dead from this conflict, not the locals. So it's been sitting, there's three bells. There's two, I think, in Wyoming and one in South Korea. And now that we, the Pentagon has announced we're going to return the bells. And believe it or not, some people in the United States Congress and veteran groups are up in arms about returning these bells to the original owners that we took, we stole after we killed and occupied uh, many of their people. Yeah, so that's the basics of the story. Um, the thing that infuriated me when I read the coverage of it uh, this week right. was just the American bias in the whole coverage of the story. So uh, I've got this article from CNN. I'll just use this one, uh, but there were many more like this. So the mm-hmm. CNN article um, says... Um, Blah, blah, blah. The village of Balangiga was the site of one of the deadliest days suffered by U.S. troops during the 1899-1902 Philippine-American War, which erupted mm-hmm. after the U.S. took possession of the islands from Spain following the Spanish-American War. So let's just look at that sentence. Suffered by U.S. troops. The deadliest days suffered by U.S. troops. That's like saying the deadliest days suffered by the Nazis when they were invading uh, uh, Russia. So this is an an invading force who suffered. And then then the other bit is the U.S. took possession. Not violently invaded, but took possession. Like the, the, the amount of fucking spin... In this right. and cleaning up of this is appalling. The U.S. troops suffered. Oh, the poor fucking U.S. troops, and the U.S. took possession. It's like I took possession is what when you buy a new car, you take possession right. of the car from the dealer. When you when you invade a country, that's not taking possession. That's yeah. fucking violent invasion. Then it says more than four thousand three hundred U.S. soldiers died in the conflict. Any mention of the Filipini, Filipinos who died? No. How many Filipinos no. died in the war, Ray? Do you uh, recall from when we covered this on I, the Cold War show? No, I can't remember. I'm sure it's more than U.S. soldiers, but I do not remember. Estimates of Filipino civilians who died range between 200,000 and a million. Jeez. Defending their land mm-hmm. from an invasion by the Americans. Does that get any mention in the CNN article? No. Fucking none. The word invasion doesn't get used. The number of Filipino deaths doesn't get used. But the number of Americans died gets used. Nothing about the Filipinos who died. It's outrageous. And this is your media today. And now I have, you know, I see lots of people say you call CNN the leftist media. Fuck off yeah. with the leftist. It's as good as it gets. Yeah, right? Yeah. So this is yeah. the amount of pro-Americana spin that is just par for the course in your so-called leftist media. Yeah. And is it Liz Cheney, uh, Dick Cheney's daughter? She's one of the three representatives in Wyoming that are saying these bells are memorials to American war dead and should not 
be transferred to the Philippines, even though it's their bells and we took it by force. But hey, let's not. And, and the, the thing that for me, this article made it sound like Spain accidentally dropped the Philippines and we were walking along and we saw it and we picked it up. It totally sounds like it, it, it was very passive and they started attacking us. I mean, that's the way this article reads. It's absolutely pathetic. Dick Cheney's straight daughter, Liz Cheney. Okay, so I'll, I'll take your word. I like to refer to her in the media. <laughs> so, so, so the, here's the question: Why is it being done now? Is it just distraction? But I know that the uh, the Filipinos have been pushing for decades to get these back. Why is it being done now? Uh, I, I don't think we'll ever know the answer to that. But I. I just do not get the American mentality. These are ours. These bells, which are ours, are to mourn the American dead. I, I just totally don't get how they don't see the reality of the situation, that these were taken from another country as we were killing hundreds of thousands of their people. I, I would be like, you know, I'm very sorry. Please take this back. I can't do anything about the past, but I will be happy to ship these two bells back to you as fast as I can through FedEx. I, I don't get... It's like we want our cake and eat it too. Well, the answer to the question, why are they doing it now, is because they're trying to get something out of the Philippines. So um, you're familiar with the president of the Philippines, uh, Rodrigo Duterte? Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy, crazy motherfucker who's just running around like killing people left, right, Trump like statements. Yeah, Yeah, and and Trump loves him. Trump thinks he's awesome. Yeah. He's running around just killing people left, right and center. Um, so, you know, there's this, uh, these deals are going on trying to get the the US and the Philippines closer together as allies against possibly China. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure the US are trying to build more bases in the area. I know they've got a, uh. a some sort of, um. You, uh, mutual defense treaty with the Philippines. But I'm sure there's deals going on about bases or arms sales or something, something, something. And the Bells just got caught up in one of those discussions. Right. I'm sure it's none of these things happen just out of the blue. Sure. Um, it'll have something to do with arms sales uh, or bases getting built and something like that. With Duterte, who's a complete crazy dic- dictator <laughs> motherfucker. Um, right. Uh, listen, just finishing off, um, while we've got a few minutes, I wanted to talk about uh, our good friend, Alex Jones. This, this <laughs> happened while you were away. I'm sure you've heard about right. it, though. <clears throat> right. Alex Jones um, is had uh, the, the his shows, his InfoWar pages and shows, taken off a range of podcasting platforms and YouTube and Facebook pages and all that kind of stuff over the last Twitter, couple of weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, yeah, Twitter are hedging a little oh, bit. Yeah, I think they, oh, okay. I think they took some stuff down and left some stuff up. Um, I think Apple took down his podcast uh, but left his app up. Uh, but anyway, there's been this massive uh, coordinated uh, removal of Alex Jones across all of these publishing platforms. And I, right. and I threw up a Facebook post and asked people what they thought about it. And it's been interesting. Most people seem to think it's a good thing, um, mostly because they don't like Alex uh, Jones. And fair enough. I mean, obviously, we don't like Alex Jones. We think he's 
either batshit crazy or just or just um, I was going to say evil, but I don't like to use that word. Yeah. Just uh, crisis actor. Yeah, <laughs> he's an entertainer. He's an, an entertainer. Entertainer who is creating outlandishly ridiculous and dangerous content for the extreme right because he sees a business opportunity in doing that. Um, you know, as as people probably know, uh, during variety of court cases he's been up against over the last couple of years. I think one was a divorce battle with his wife and custody of the mm-hmm. children and another one's where the um, the parents of the children who died at Sandy Hook are suing him for calling them crisis actors and getting right. his and their supporters have been harassing these people for years. Um, his defense attorneys usually take the position that, well, he doesn't believe any of these things that he's saying. He's just an entertainer. Um, right. He's just he's just playing a role of the uh, crazy right wing guy. None of the, you know, he doesn't really believe it. And amazingly, uh, his audience doesn't seem to care that that's the position that his defense attorney takes. Um, right. I mean, look, he's just making it all up. Um, you would think that his audience would be like, "Fuck you! We're not going to listen to you anymore." And yeah. then instead, they're like, "Right on." Um, <laughs> He probably goes back and says, "I just had to say that I'm really with you because yeah. when when he was dismantled, you I'm sure you've seen the video of him. You cannot defeat the truth. You cannot defeat God. As in somehow he is doing God's work, which made it even more insane for me. But whatever. So I, I am concerned about uh, this going on there. Now there's been a lot of debate on on my Facebook thread about um, whether or not this is censorship." Uh, now, the, the the two common retorts I've seen, both in this thread and also in other places online, people go, well, it's not censorship because it's not the state doing it, it's private companies doing it, and they can do whatever they like. That's not exactly correct. It is still mm-hmm. censorship. When publishing, when publishers, let's say you're a book publisher, and you say, uh, we're not going to publish uh, Noam Chomsky's books um, or anything to do with uh, the left, you know, the, the real left, um, right. then that is censorship. By definition, they're preventing information getting out to the people. That is censorship. But yes, they're entitled to do that because they're a private uh, business and they can choose what they want to publish, what they don't want to publish. But it is still censorship. Censorship isn't only something that the state does, that is state censorship. But when businesses choose not to allow certain information to get out, that is still, by definition, censorship. I have to ask, because um, Heather and I were talking about this. Uh, You have said at least 27,000 times, and I'm not saying that you're wrong, that America is off the rails. We're going the wrong way. I think your words were America's fucked. And in so many ways, I agree with that. So here is a group of companies standing up to this guy and saying what you put out is dangerous because people believe what you say and they act on it. So here is either a, a, a company or a group of companies to the best of their ability. I guess their only course of action is to fight back in, a, in the only way they can, which is to remove this guy. So there's there's a group of companies out there that are trying to 
turn the course of this country from going down the shithole by getting someone like him off. I absolutely agree with you that it is censorship. And don't get me wrong, this is definitely a slippery slope that we're going down. But I certainly applaud what they do, while at the same time I acknowledge that this could come back and bite us in the ass. Because they're going to take off someone eventually that I like or that I agree with or someone that I think is giving a solid message uh, for for our country. So, uh, yeah, is it censorship? Yes, but... I I think it had to be done because it was only going to get worse and he wasn't going to stop. And his followers were eventually probably going to do something violent and or insane. But is it the responsibility of corporations to protect the, the population from uh, a publisher? No, and, and, and to answer that question, I think what they were really doing, they weren't doing it for the public good. They were probably protecting their bottom line because if you're associated with this guy and then some of his lead followers go out and then do something, they they go into a, a, a mosque and they slaughter everybody or they do something crazy. I mean, you're just... You're just um, you are tagged with that. So I think what the, the, the why they did it was for selfish reason, reasons, but for people like me, um, who ha- I have no stock in these companies, that's not going to help me, but I still am happy that this one, at least one less lunatic is on, is on the airwaves. It's not their job, but in the truth, at the end of the day, they're probably trying to protect themselves. Yeah, it's, it's I, I think it's the hypocrisy of this that bothers me the most and also how... Oh, yeah. And I acknowledge that. Yeah. yeah. So, look, yeah, no, I'm not defending Alex Jones. I think he's a complete douchebag. But, um, mm-hmm. and if and if he died tomorrow, I would, you know, not, yeah. not mourn um, his passing at all. But um, there's a lot of crazy shit in the mainstream media uh, mm-hmm. that is incendiary. Uh, like okay, one example: um, the ramp up uh, of the crazy rhetoric against Russia that's right across the mainstream media in the U.S. now, and it's going to lead to uh, some sort of conflict somewhere at some juncture, probably, or, or the rhetoric against Iran that's happening in the U.S. at the moment, which again mm-hmm. is going to lead to some sort of invasion or war or bombing. Civilians are going to die. Maybe not Americans, or some American soldiers might die, or maybe some Americans. Maybe it'll result in another 9-11 at some point, um, style attack on the U.S. homeland. But people are going to die. Yet, I guarantee you, Facebook and all these other platforms are still allowing New York Times' content and CNN's content and uh, MSNBC's mm-hmm. content to, to be published, which is just as incendiary uh, as Alex Jones's content, uh, to, not towards maybe Americans though, but towards people of foreign right. nations. Um, and I don't know, man. I just um, you know this this whole argument that they're doing it to defend themselves. Like the the, the official reason that most of them given is well, he's breached our terms and conditions regarding hate ah. speech. Right. Um, Okay, uh, again, that's that's reasonable. If you have terms and conditions and someone has breached it, that's fine. This argument that they're protecting themselves, I'm not really sure that that's reasonable. I, I don't know that they're going to get caught up in a legal battle because they allowed some of his content on their platform, although that is possible. 
Um, mm-hmm. But again, I think it, these things should be fought in the courts. Uh, if he if his content is determined by the courts to be breaking the law, then uh, uh, then sure, these platforms then are, uh, are fully entitled to remove it. I mean, they're entitled to anyway, but then it would be very um, supportable for them to pull it. But when you start having corporations deciding, because if you go back, let's go back 100 years ago, 70 years ago, um, you know, publishers wouldn't publish anything that had swearing in it or sex or drug use or nudity for exactly the same mm-hmm. reasons. Well, this is not good for society. This is uh, breaching our terms and conditions, which probably weren't published as such back then but internally right. they didn't want anything that you know is the moral code of conduct um and a lot of information was hidden from people okay uh, uh kennedy banging waitresses cocktail waitresses uh two at a time mm-hmm. i mean there was a lot of information that's been hidden from people by publishers in days gone past because they, for exactly the same justification, well, it, 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 we don't deem this as being something that's suitable. We deem this as being dangerous for right. uh, for the country, for the culture. We deem this sort of information to be improper or incorrect. I, I just, I'm just reluctant to encourage or support businesses Mm -hmm. uh, making decisions about what we can and can't watch, what we can and can't listen to, what we can and can't read, even though I may find that information objectionable, I would say that it's the job of our justice system uh, to prosecute people or prosecute people's listeners who are taking what they're doing. Um, I would also be happy for these publishers to go listen to 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 provide alternative content uh, that 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 says, "Hey, listen, this guy's crazy, right?" And by his own admission in the courts, he says he's just making it all up for you know Money. kicks and giggles. Um, right. I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm conflicted well, about it. I'm, I don't have a clear position on it. I have to be honest. How about this? And I, and um, this is going to be very vague, but here's my knee-jerk reaction to what you just said. I agree with everything you just said. However, <clears throat> there is a certain percentage of this country that is tired of seeing people like Alex Jones get away with it for years and make a lot of money. <clears throat> and yes, he'll be taken to court by the parents who were threatened by his followers. But as you and I know, he's got a lot of money. He can hire good lawyers and it's going to take years regardless. I think there's a certain percentage of this country that is sick and tired of the hate, the fear mongering, the division. And some of us want to fight back. It might be breaking the First Amendment, but I think it right now people are so fed up to a certain degree they don't care. No, but it's, and they're just it's not breaking the First Amendment, though, because the First, <clears throat> first Amendment is about the government uh, preventing well, free speech. So okay. this isn't right. this has got nothing well, okay, to do I, with free speech in the First Amendment because businesses aren't bound by the First Amendment, right? Right. Okay. So I retract that. I was wrong, but the point is, <clears throat> I think my I think I I still stand by my statement. There's a there's a part of this we're just ready. We're just sick of it. We're sick of our country going the wrong direction. We see it. We know it. We're just hoping it will change. And now it's it's not changing. I think some people are just 
okay that others are taking action, even though it might not be the norm. Okay, but okay. So, but what about the NRA and the gun lobby? Are these? I mean, that the damage being done to your country by the gun lobby and 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 people running around with AR-15s left, right, and center. What's what's Facebook and YouTube and iTunes, etc., doing Twitter doing about that? Are they removing all of that content, gun lover content? No, they're not doing it jack all about it. But a couple of weeks ago when the NRA said it was having fiscal issues, there were certainly celebrations all over certain, but from certain people all yeah, over but that uh, came, media. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about right. corporations no, doing... making arbitrary decisions to censor uh, promotion no. of uh, guns. They're not doing anything about it. They haven't done anything about it yet. But maybe this Alex Jones thing was the first shot across the bow of what might uh, a trend or whatever you want to call it that might continue where companies or individuals or whoever, because obviously, like you said, the government's not doing anything about it or it's taking too long. Some people are just maybe deciding to fight back. But why start there again? Like the NRA uh, and the NRA supporters have done inestimably oh, yeah. far more damage real dead people yeah. every I, I agree. every fucking day in the united states to the best of my knowledge alex jones and his listeners haven't killed anyone mm-hmm. right but Yet. he was get addable he was get addable he uh, he but was already down he was already weakened with the- this is the hypocrisy oh, I, I agree and people celebrating it in the you know fucking all the dancing in the streets over it i'm like yeah, right. but look, I, I, yeah. I, 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 there's far more hate and damage being done uh, in, in other parts of the United States than Alex Jones. If you're going to start somewhere, start with the people yeah. that are actually well, causing death. I I don't think, and I'm and I'm just going to call this a movement, I could be way, way overshooting this thing, but I'm, I'm saying movements don't start that... Logically, I, I think they just start somewhere and then it gains momentum. I, I think you're absolutely right. If you really wanted to do this service, uh, uh, this country service, you shut down the NRA or you curtail it or whatever. But I don't think kickbacks or reactions or slippery slopes like this start in a very logical fashion. That's not to say that the NRA won't get its comeuppance in the future, but that's not happening yet for whatever reason. All right. Well, we'll see. That's the show yeah. for this week. Yeah. Be back next week. Cameron out. Bullshit. Bullshit. Bullshit.